we are in the second week of Christmas, and it's been a few weeks, actually uh, quite a few weeks since I've had the chance to share with our community, so I'm excited to do that today. We are going to be, for the forthcoming season, using the lectionary to guide our reflections, to guide the times of sermons and homilies. For those of you who are not familiar, the lectionary is a really meaningful tool for the church to use that so many churches across the globe and across denominational lines use to engage the full sweep of scripture over the course of a three-year span of time. And so over three years, it guides us to where all churches who are using the lectionary are engaging the same scriptures on the same Sundays. So it connects us to the larger communion of saints. Uh, over the last few months, we've been off lectionary uh, as there's been really pertinent things happening in the world around us that we wanted to contextually uh, appeal to. But we're going to be back on the lectionary for, uh, we actually started back on the lectionary for the Advent season, and we'll stay on that throughout the season leading up to Pentecost. And so today we are looking at the verses from the second week of Christmas, and we're also going to begin to anticipate Epiphany, uh, which we will explore further next week as well. The Epiphany story traditionally uses Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus. And uh, we'll look at that verse, uh, those verses a little bit next week. But today we're going to look at this John passage that Katie just read. It gives us a very different kind of birth story. John is giving us an origin story that is rich in what we call Christology. There is an incredible reflection on the nature and essence of who Jesus is. So whereas Matthew is at pains to set Jesus up to be the new Moses, and we'll look at that next week, John is setting Jesus up to be the bringer of new creation. And so we see that right off the bat. We'll just go through it here verse by verse. And we start in verse 1, John 1, 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And of course, we all recognize those first three words in the beginning because that's where our whole story of Scripture starts. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John is taking us all the way back to the beginning where God speaks words and those words create worlds. The whole new world is made. I want to encourage you to take a moment and think about the most impactful moments of your life. What moments stand out? As you reflect through the museum of your memories and, and the, the gallery of the moments that rise to the surface, what are the most impactful moments of life? I think many of what will come to mind, much of what will come to mind for most of us, are words that were marked with really significant words being spoken. I love you. Will you marry me? I'm proud of you. I will miss you. You're going to have a baby. I forgive you. These are the words that create our worlds. How about these ones? Let us make humanity in our own image. And thus the world was born. And that's what we looked at in that Rublev icon earlier today. It's a picture of the beginning where the Trinity was in a community and a communion all of their own, but out of the overflow of their love, creation is born. And that's how John starts this. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was present to God, and God was present to the world, or to the Word. Imagine that marking your year as we begin 2021. Jordan was present to God, and God was present to Jordan. And so in Genesis 1, when God speaks the word that creates the world, what do those words sound like? They sound like this, let there be light. And the darkness and the chaos and the confusion and the hopelessness is eclipsed by the word, the logos. And John echoes that here in what you see on your screen. He says uh, that God has a word, a logos for those who are walking in darkness. And the word is let there be a great light. And Christ enters the story and the life light, as Katie said, blazed out of glory, uh, blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And John's going to carry that message on throughout his gospel. Jesus is remaking the world. It will become clear by John 20 when Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. There is a new creation coming through the birth of this baby. As we start a new year, many of us are starting up new Bible reading plans. And pro tip, if you have not already done so, you can always find the lectionary readings on our website at the parish slash today. Beth Nelson curates that for our community and does a lot of work behind the scenes so that the daily office readings are available and I want to encourage you as we start this new year, engage the story of Scripture deeply. Follow along with those readings every day or some reading plan that allows you to not only read the scriptures, but also the scriptures to read you as you immerse yourself afresh in the story of God. And while you do that, let us not forget that, uh, that when we speak of the word of God, in the beginning was the word. We are not first and foremost talking about the Bible. John is reminding us here that the word of God is the, the, the Christ. And when we read passages talking about the word of God, that is not the Bible referencing itself. Instead, it is referencing Jesus, who is the spokenness of God. He is what God has to say. All that God could not say in a book, he says in a life. And that's where we get these beautiful words in John 1, 14, that the word becomes flesh and he dwells among us. He moves into the neighborhood. Jesus spans the distance to reach us at Christmas. He takes on flesh. He dwells among us and he does this so that we can see God's fullness for ourselves. Not a limited or partial revelation, but the one of a kind God expression who is close to the father's heart. So often we root our Christian story in crucifixion and resurrection, and certainly those are high watermarks in the Christian story, but just as core to our story is incarnation. Incarnate. It's when Jesus takes on meat, takes on flesh, and spans the distance to come to us. And when God draws near, what is the glory that we see? It is a fullness of grace and truth, God's essence, plain as day. And so let's not forget that Jesus is the visibility of God. What would otherwise remain invisible about God is imaged for us through 
his life. And so if we want to know what the Father is like, we look no further than the Son. If we want to know the kinds of things God cares about, we look at what things Jesus cared about. The miracle of Christmas is the epiphany of its own that the Son discloses, reveals, and shines a brilliant light on who God is and how God has always been. And so we reflect on the Logos who comes to show us God at Christmas. I want to take a turn, though, and as we open this year, talk about the state of our hearts. Uh, in John 1, 4, uh, the, the translation of the message says that Jesus, the light, gives us light to live by. Light to live by. And yet... Uh, I had this experience the other day, and I don't know, perhaps you can relate to it. I was driving in my car, and what began to hit me, this was just a few days after Christmas, what began to hit me was the post-holiday gut punch of, well, now what? <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it was like the celebration was over, the last gift was given, the loved ones are in the rearview mirror, and it hits me that I am still not satisfied. There is still a lack of consummation at the deepest places. There is so much good, I'm not complaining. There's so many memories and, and friends and filet. <laughs> and, and these things come as like these bright lights that light up mundane days. That's why we look forward to the holidays. But at the end of it, there is an ache that remains. And if I'm honest, I often assume that good news by now should have eradicated all the darkness that I feel. Like, isn't that what faith is supposed to do? Is to take away the darkness, right? We've seen a great light. And so for me, the first strategy is to assume that there is a way, if I'm doing my Christian life right, to dispel all the darkness, to extinguish it, to eliminate it altogether. But the promise in John 1 here is not that there will not ever be darkness, but instead that the darkness will not be able to overcome the light. In fact, one way to read it is to recognize that actually there is a promise there that there will be darkness. Just as Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We experience, uh, as, as David prayed earlier, that Jesus himself entered into both the human joy but also the human pain. And so while we celebrate the arrival of the great light that we looked at at Advent, we anticipate the day that light will fully eclipse the dark. But I also want to start this year by simply asking us what might seem like a counterintuitive question. And the question is this, what will we do this year with our darkness? What will we do with our darkness this year? I'd love to tell you that the gifts and the Christmas music and the cinnamon rolls and all the things that we rely on, they, those things can't drive out the dark, but, but Jesus will. Jesus, just come to Jesus and he'll drive out all the dark. And of course, there's some truth in that. Sometimes the word, the logo, shines like a brilliant light of epiphany on us and there's something all new created within us. But if you've walked with Jesus long, you also know that there are other times where he does not drive out the dark. He simply comes to be with us in it. He comes to keep company with us in it so that we at least won't experience the dark lightless. 
And perhaps like me, you're tempted to think that a little bit more effort is going to solve these peskier problems. It's going to light each dim corner. The lack of light, I assume, says that there's not only something wrong about the nature of life, but there's also something wrong about me. There's something wrong about my approach to this. And so this time of year culturally invites us to make fresh resolutions, resolves, right? That's where that comes from, that I'll resolve to try harder rather than receive an epiphany of the light coming to me. And so I try a bit harder, I pray a bit more, I read the next book that people say you have to read, but it, by the grace of God, it never quite pulls it all off. It doesn't fully do the trick. There are still moments of dark. There's still moments of discontent and discouragement. But when I assume the darkness to be an indictment on my faith rather than a limitation of life itself, then what I tend to do is move to strategy number two, which is just live in denial of it, right? Just deny that the dark is there. And so I end up hiding the darkness from the very light itself. And in the process of doing that, I try to just block it out of the consciousness of my interior heart. Like, let's not pay attention to that. I'll keep it out of my prayer life. But what I end up doing is actually costing myself the very gift of incarnation, which is God with us in it. God with us in it. I had this moment a few days ago where I just realized like I'm carrying around this anxiety about this one area of my life and rather than bring it to the Father, I was kind of just pushing it away. I was burying it in busyness. I don't know if you can relate, but I imagine you can. And, and I had this moment of just naming it before God, just bringing it to the table and saying, God, dwell with me in this. Be God with me. In this. And so as we begin this new year, I want to invite you into the counterintuitive and intentional act of drawing near to your own darkness. And then sit in it with God. Taking that kind of honest inventory of our areas of unchristlikeness, even, even the places of sin, that is how we actually bring it into the light. Right? We cannot change ourselves through our own efforts, but we can set ourselves up to be acted upon. And God's intention with us is not always to meet every desire and bring more and more and more and more light into our lives, but rather he tutors our desires until they become more like him. And it's often in the pain, in the darkness, that we draw closest to the Father's heart, just as the word was close to the Father's heart, and we discover the treasures of darkness that we read about in Isaiah 42. And so I'll leave us here as we start this new year that just as the word was present to God and God to the word, how might you renew your commitment to a life of presence in 2021? Just as the word was close to the Father's heart, how might you lean in instead of pulling away or being distracted? Just as the word drew near to dwell among us, how might you draw near to God in your own interior heart? Because in the end, and this is my heart for us as a community this year, in the end, the point of the Christian life is not the removal of struggle, but a life of loving union with God. That is the one gift we can offer this world. is not that we have it all together, but that we have an experience of abiding in the loving union of God. We can practice that right away. We'll do that here in just a moment as we enter a time of confession where we name the darkness. 
right? Not in a self-lacerating way, but just an honest accounting of this is the darkness. And then in communion where we draw near to the presence of Jesus. As we end, I'll bring us back to the Rublev icon. And here's what I want you to notice, and perhaps this becomes a bit of an image for you as we enter this new year. That in the center of the icon, there is space. There is space for you to come to the table. There is room for you to join the beloved community. There is an invitation to join the dance. What would it look like for you this year to come one step closer to the table and join the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you became flesh and dwelt among us, and certainly you are the hero and rescuer of our story and the one who will set all things right, but you also came so that you would know what it was like to live in darkness. You came to scream alongside us. You came to hurt and feel what we feel so that when we come to you in our prayer life and we say, this hurts, you are able to say, I know, and I'm with you. We trust you, we look to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.